guys. Okay, guys. How many diversions do you want to make? Let's do this. Two Teamwork. More. Two more. Teamwork. <laughs> that was one. That was, up. that was one divergent. <laughs> <clears throat> Hello. Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the mutually young, newly hip, and hazardously lay editors of American Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Olga Segura. Hey, guys. And Zach Davis. Happy New Year! Yeah, Happy New Year! Okay, so does this mean we can stop saying new podcast? Are we established? Are we just a podcast? I think so. I think we could just be a podcast. We haven't been canceled yet. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we can stop. I thought with the maybe new. if we said new before every episode, you know, like we could always yeah. say, oh, we're just starting out. You shouldn't cancel us. <laughs> All right. New year, not new podcast. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of any New Year's resolutions, you guys? Um. Well, I've started off the year not drinking. That's the Very one good. resolution that I can remember right now. A lot yeah. of people are yeah, doing. Yeah. So no shout out to January. everyone yeah. doing mm-hmm. January. Yes. Uh, my New Year's uh, my New Year's resolutions are really focused on reading. I'm trying to read mm. more like novels. That's a good Which I one. think will be good for my soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like news articles. Mm-hmm. That's a very. <laughs> I, like I, I want to steal that. Cause yeah. I take it that too. Did not read many novels last year. Yeah. And I think it'll I'll be a better person at the end. So mm-hmm. you guys be the judge of that. Okay. Yeah. Ashley, how about you? I'm really excited <laughs> by your New Year's resolution, by the way. All right. So this might seem a little strange, um, but my New Year's resolution is to spend more recklessly. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. Which... Ashley. Literally New Year, New Ashley. This yeah. Is... No, I mean, people who know me know that I'm very frugal. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to save money, not spend it. And I think there's a balance that I might be lacking in that regard. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel like half my life is spent pressuring Ashley into eat lunch away from her desk and the other half is pressuring her to spend money. <laughs> yes. So yeah. have you started yet to spend yeah. recklessly? So I got MoviePass, which is this Ooh. great thing. We're $10 a month and you can see unlimited movies and theaters. We are not sponsored by these people. We are not. <laughs> I also don't. We just really like it. No, but it's all. You need like the hurt effect. Everyone has to have it, or else then the price will go up. Oh. Um, But does that mean you're going to be buying hardback novels this year? Maybe. Because then I would like to read them after (laughs) you're done. (laughs) No, but I am going on a Euro trip with (gasps) my best friend Laura. Where are you going? We haven't decided the countries, but in June we're going to do like a tour of countries where it'll be fun to watch the World Cup. So. Ashley, I your I'm already deciding your resolution is my favorite. Speaking of Europe, (laughs) Zach, what's on tap today? So speaking of Europe, we are drinking a French 75. What is that? So it's champagne based. So I figured New Year's champagne. We're actually drinking prosecco because. We're, we're millennials. We're because millennials. I wasn't buying, yes, I would have bought champagne. Ashley Ashley's like, I would have gotten everyone Moet or whatever the expensive thing is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, so, Ashley and I are having, Olga, oh, you are. Yes, I am not drinking. Yes. Reminder. Um, but it's got gin, lemon juice, uh, some sugar. So we've got some simple syrup in there. And then it's sort of topped off with the Prosecco. That sounds um, delicious. Yeah. And it looks really delicious, guys. Yes. I'll so, be clinking even if I'm not drinking. Yeah. So. Clinking, <laughs> clink, but clink, no drink. All right. Cheers, guys. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, that is good. Mm. It's awesome. Wow. And it packs a punch. Very I mean, it's gross. Olga. You don't want this. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> so who are we talking to this week, Olga? 
Today we're talking with Julia McPherson. She is the Director of Advocacy and Operations at Jesuit Refugee Service USA. So we'll be talking to her about the policy that she does that affect refugees, asylum seekers, and displaced persons. And we'll be talking about World Day for Migrant and Refugees. So stay tuned. All right. Excellent. But first, it's time for Signs of the Times. That sounded weird. Is that that's how I always say it. Yeah. yeah I guess so. It's just, it's just been a while. I haven't said this in so long. <laughs> it's just been a while. Yes, you really sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But first, it's time for Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. First, I love when Pope Francis talks about the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's just you never hear that anymore. And I this- started off the show... <laughs> talking about the devil and everyone thought i was crazy but i guess i'm not <laughs> but you're not pope francis. Yeah, yeah evidently whatever anyways pope francis uh is now saying that bullying comes from the devil so you might think of bullying as this you know thing that kids do they grow out of it but no pope francis says he says quote when we realize that we harbor within ourselves the desire to attack someone because they are weak we have no doubt it is the devil because attacking the weak is the work of satan so mm. strong words very yeah. strong words it reminds me of also what he said about gossip, which yeah. is something, mm-hmm. uh, admittedly, I love to do. Yeah, agreed. Um, which is terrible. But it makes a lot more sense, though, when you're like, oh, it's literally Satan. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you're like, yeah. why am I, d- uh, you'll be in the middle of it, and you're like, wait, why am I yeah. doing why this do, terrible why thing? Why do I like it? Yeah. yeah. And I've been in situations where I'm gossiping with friends, and then it just suddenly turns really mean and unnecessary. So it's like I have to remind myself, too, that this is, it's Satan. Yep. It's really yeah. Satan. Get behind I, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say, though, whenever Pope Francis talks about the devil, have you guys seen Waterboy? Like the Adam Sandler movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But I you know the mom? She's like, everything is Satan. She's Every, like, it's the football is the, the devil. devil. <laughs> football. <laughs> yeah. Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Bullying is the devil. Yes. All right. So this is a New Year's resolution we could all make mm-hmm. is if we're not bullies, I don't think any of us would consider ourselves bullies, but we're often in situations where someone is being put down mm-hmm. or gossiped about. So this could be the year to not just stand by, but to take a stand against the devil. Hashtag take a stand to K18. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next, Zach? Our next story is that the Golden Globes were this week. Uh, oh, yeah. Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Lady Bird won. So does that mean Catholic schools won too? Lady Bird is, uh, if you haven't seen it, have you seen it? I have not seen it. Shame. Nope. Shame. <laughs> but now that I have movie pass, I will. <laughs> good. Good. Stop. You're not sponsored by them. <laughs> um, but Mommy. Lady Bird is this great movie by Greta Gerwig about this. It's this coming of age movie about this girl who goes to a Catholic school in Sacramento. Um, it made me cry. And it's we've talked about it here um, mm-hmm. at America and on Jesuitical about how it's a really authentic portrayal of catholic school in mm-hmm. the sense that like it's people the nuns aren't caricatures the priests are helpful mm-hmm. the real people um but it's really beautiful i think you should watch it if you haven't and i hope it wins all the oscars next what's our next story so this sunday january 14th is the world day of migrants and refugees which was started by the vatican over 100 years ago during world war one and every year we mark this day and the pope puts out a message so this year um, pope francis who has talked a lot about refugees in his five years as pope put out a message in which he said every stranger who knocks at our door is an opportunity for an encounter with jesus christ who identifies with the welcomed and the rejected strangers of every age um so we're going to be talking later with uh, Julia about how we can concretely welcome the stranger uh, today um, at a time when there are more refugees than any time since World War II. Uh, so that'll be later in the show. 
And since we're talking about migration, we have another story that Zach wanted to bring. Yeah. So Pope Francis is going to be traveling to Chile and Peru mm-hmm. uh, next week, January 15th through the 21st. Um, I was actually in Peru um, just on vacation um, last fall, um, which was awesome. I loved it. Um, but I was reading about the background of Pope Francis's trip, and I didn't realize this, but um, Peru has taken in a ton of refugees. Um the number of asylum seekers in Peru skyrocketed from two to three hundred in 2014 to eleven thousand. Wow! Um, last year, which is insane. And, and these in, are from Venezuela. And, yeah, and so a lot of these are coming from Venezuela, which is experiencing like a crashing mm-hmm. economy and a fit in a failing government. Mm-hmm. And so lots of people are fleeing there um, to seek better opportunities mm-hmm. in Latin America, and a lot of them end up in Peru. Um, but the, the thing it made me think about was like traveling to new places and like sort of getting a surface look at them. I feel like it's hard to be intentional about the way you travel, especially if you're going to like really touristy places, but like to not even like be aware of this at all. And like having spent Mm -hmm. like 10 days in their country. And I I feel like I really messed up. Yeah. Traveling there. But so pay attention to what Pope Francis says while he's there. (laughs) Yes. That's my plan. And closer to home, I, refugee situation that we can all pay attention to is the fact that uh, the Trump administration has cut back on the number of refugees that the U.S. is accepting to historically low levels. So under Obama, we let in over 100,000. Already not great. You know, yeah, no, we could definitely take a lot more. There are poor countries taking in a lot more refugees. Um, But last year it was cut to 45,000 and there are predictions that next year it might be as little as 20,000. And so this is having real concrete effects. Uh, Already the Catholic Charities in Dubuque, Iowa has said it's going to have to close its refugee resettlement um, operation because Mm -hmm. they get a lot of, you know, their financial support from the federal government and the government won't give them money if there aren't enough refugees to help. Right. I feel like the goal of every charity or nonprofit like that, its goal is to end itself, right? Like Mm -hmm. to make it so... But not this way. But not this way. This (laughs) is just like so terrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially because a lot of people get this sense of welcome and hospitality from organizations like Catholic Charities mm-hmm. that they might not be getting from the host country that they're going into. So it's really sad to hear something yeah, like this. Yeah, no, that's terrible. My parents who took in uh, refugees worked with Catholic Charities, um, and it was just an amazing experience for the entire community and for, of course, the family that we were welcoming. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, Catholic Charities says as many as 20 of their offices around the country could be shut down uh, in the next year wow. because of the Trump administration. Well, and this is just like maybe one of several policies that are currently being enacted to just sort of close our borders to strangers. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, people had have been here for a long time. Right. So this week, the Trump administration announced that they would be removing temporary protected status for more than 200,000 Salvadorans. Um, and temporary protected status is given to citizens whose countries, whose home countries have been deemed unsafe, whether for ongoing conflicts or natural disasters and other unsafe conditions. Um So the Secretary of Homeland Security, Kirsten M. Nielsen, announced the decision on January 8th. And Salvadorans who have TPS have until September of next year to leave and to return back to their country, which is which is really devastating because a lot of these people have been here for a very, very long time. They have kids here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So so can you explain why it's it's called temporary Mm -hmm. protected status? And so the people from El Salvador were given this in 2001. So people Mm -hmm. might say like. All right. It was temporary. It's mm-hmm. over 15 years later. Shouldn't it end? Yeah, I think I think the issue that a lot of people have voiced is that it's only temporary in the sense of 
the actual like it's called temporary protected status but our actions toward it have not been temporary we've afforded them this status since 2001 it's been 17 years so to now kind of pull the rug from under them many of them are kind of like you know we've built businesses we've formed families we've been contributing to the u.s economy and we did this quote unquote the right way you know also i feel like it's just another decision made that is just slowly like getting rid of immigrants and blocking people from coming into the country. So it's like you can couch it in whatever, like, uh, like being mad that it's, Oh, it was temporary and you know, it should end. Right. Right. Uh, If this were the only thing that were happening, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one thing, but this is just sort of like ethnic cleansing by, by procedure and And policy. Our senior editor here, J.D. Long Garcia, wrote a piece this week where he talks to Kevin Appleby, who is the senior director of international migration policy for the Center for Migration Studies in New York. Um, And that's one of the things that he touched on, Zach. He's like, it's not just policy driven, but this is very much white nationalism. Anyone that looks different from what is the quote unquote perfect American is just slowly being phased out of here. So as much as we want to deny what is happening, it is not just a policy, you know? Right. Sometimes just following like policy and rules is not Mm -hmm. enough. And today we've got Julia McPherson Skyping in. She is the Director of Advocacy and Operations at Jesuit Refugee Service USA, where she works on policy related to refugees, asylum seekers, and internally displaced persons. Welcome to Jesuitical, Julia. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, great. So our first question for you is, so what is for people who might be unfamiliar with the work that JRS does, what is the mission of JRS? Sure. So the the mission of JRS, so um, Jesuit Refugee Service, um, we were founded in 1980 by Father Arupe. Um, It was really in response to um, the refugee crisis uh, resulting from the Vietnam War and the boat people crisis. Um, Today, we are serving refugees and other forcibly displaced persons in about 50 different countries. So from a day-to-day basis, what that looks like um, is a primary focus on education work. So for anyone familiar with the Jesuits, it really comes as no surprise that um, that that's a focus of our work. So so in a lot and, of the And is that different from other refugee uh, service programs? It really is. Some other um, nonprofit organizations may work in a variety of sectors from water, health, shelter. The fact that we're focused specifically on refugees and a lot of our work is focused on education is pretty unique to JRS. So beyond education, um, is there anything particularly Jesuit um, about the approach JRS takes or about um, your own, or does Jesuit spirituality inform your own work with the organization? Absolutely. So our mission statement is to accompany, to serve, and to advocate on behalf of refugees. And that word accompany is really um, very Jesuit. It's, it's, it goes beyond um, delivering programs, delivering services. We see it as walking with refugees. And I personally think that this is a, a fairly distinct Jesuit approach to the work that we do. Um, it, it might also be seen as, you know, the love and action that we talk about so much um, in Jesuit ministries and in Jesuit institutions. So this week we're marking National Migration Week in the right. U.S. Mm-hmm. And then January 14th is the World Day of Migrants and Refugees, which Pope Francis has um, put out a message for. And really, this has been one of like the key issues of his pontificate. Uh, so is JRS doing anything special to mark this week or, or um, World Day of Migrants? 
We are. So a lot of the work that we do here in the U.S. is to try to engage a U.S.-based constituency to A, learn more about what's happening around the world as it relates to refugees and to give them opportunities to take action and get involved, you know, especially today where we're in the midst of the highest levels of global displacement since World War II. There are over 65 million displaced people, and it's really rising every year. And not everyone can go overseas and and and, and assist um, in a hands-on manner, but there are other ways to speak out and stand in solidarity with, with the, the displaced. And the National Migration Week is something that the U.S. bishops started about 50 years ago um, in response to, to the Vatican's effort to draw attention to these issues. And what we're doing is launching a campaign, actually, to draw attention to what any individual person can do to get involved. Um, we're calling our campaign Do One Thing. So it's hashtag do number one thing. Mm-hmm. And and it really speaks to the fact that, you know, any one person can just do one thing that um, that can can change um the mind of one person or or spread the word about, you know, one issue related to refugees to their family or their community or um, or perhaps get one message delivered to a policymaker. Um, there are a lot of different things that that people can do. So we put together a, a, a fact sheet that spells out exactly mm-hmm. you know, some ideas that, that people can can consider if they'd like to get involved and learn more and take action. So it ranges from um, advocating you know, acting, right. uh, sending a letter to your policymaker, shopping, you know, buying um, mm-hmm. refugee-created um, products. Julia, it sounds like a lot of this is like a built around raising awareness. Um, in my more cynical days, I've sort of poo-pooed on the idea of raising awareness, making actually making a difference. Um, what? I'm I'm ready to hear the elevator pitch though. Right. Like why why is that important? No, it's right. I mean, and we we get that pushback um, every once in a while as well. I I see it as being the first step. You know, family conversations that can get a little a little difficult once you bring up um, any issue that that might seem political and the refugee mm-hmm. issue. Unfortunately, I and mean, we don't see it as being a political issue. It's a human rights issue. It's a life issue. It's 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 something that um, that as Catholics, you know, this is um, a core part of Catholic social teaching that we should welcome the stranger. Um, um, so, so we don't see it as something that's divisive, but unfortunately, you can get caught up. Um, so, so I personally see it as as awareness raising, awareness building as the first step. Um, mm-hmm. So, if someone's looking to get involved, um, donating or or doing a meeting with your policymaker may seem like a bit of a heavy lift and maybe a, a bit too much, but. But if if it's even sharing a news story on your social media um, accounts or um, even hosting a, a panel discussion or a film screening on campus just to get the conversation going, just mm-hmm. to and just to demonstrate that this is an important issue that you care about um, as a person, as a Catholic, as a human being, you know, that that I see as the first step and can really yeah. create change. Uh- Last year, I actually uh, interviewed my dad about hosting a refugee family from Afghanistan. Yes. And we, we made a video about it because, you know, the, the shtick was, here's this conservative Republican who happens to be hosting Muslim res- refugees in his house. And the the reaction was, like, really strong. I just, you know, like, friends from high school that I hadn't heard from from years were like, hey, like, I'm a Republican and it's so nice to like see someone talking about this, not as like a political issue, but a human issue. Um, so I'll push back against Zach's cynicism <laughs> and say that <laughs> raising awareness. I mean, you know, maybe and 
I would hope that that would like, you know, sink in and inform the way that they um, they look at the issue of refugees going forward, because it can be just like a very like you see the headlines about the biggest refugee crisis since World War Two, and it can seem um too big or too distant. Um, so I think putting putting the individual faces to it is is really important. Absolutely. I think there's a tendency among people who, you know, work with refugees or support taking in refugees to dismiss that as xenophobia or racism. But I think that might not be the most productive way to address people's fears. Um, how, how do you how do you, you know, try to uh, sway hearts and minds when it comes to refugees in a way that, you know, actually makes people, you know, comfortable with welcoming others into their country. So we try to really humanize the conversation and, and tell stories about individual refugees that we know and that we work with. You know, we don't do resettlement here in the U.S., but but we do connect with some refugees that we've worked with overseas. So, for example, maybe we've um, we've we've run a school that they've attended or helped them get a scholarship mm-hmm. to high school and they've resettled in the U.S. And by connecting, reconnecting with them here, mm-hmm. you know, we we want to track what they're doing and and how they're right. doing. And there are some fantastic stories um, in terms of what they've been able to achieve and, and accomplish and contribute so, to their new country. Right. So, Julia, um, one we're one year into Trump's uh, first year in office. Well, it's Trump's first year in office. And do you find that his policies on immigration and refugees are worse, better or about what you expected them to be? Great question. Wow. So they're probably about what we expected them to be, I think. Um, the I, I think our, our expectations are fairly low going into into the Trump administration about how um, he would deal with refugees based, based on on what was said during the campaign. Pain primarily. Um, what I what I will say is that there's been a strong coalition of groups, both here in Washington, but certainly across the country, um, who are are working to address you know some of these challenges. What what we don't have control over is the the number of refugees that are being allowed in the U.S. And so that's that's solely. Um, a call that the president makes. And so that number, unfortunately, has been cut down dramatically when we were hoping for over 100,000 to be brought in this year. And and President Trump is only requesting 45,000 at, at the, the maximum. It could even be lower than that. So so the, the challenges are certainly there. Um, but I think there's a strong cohort of organizations, of individuals um, uh, that, that are, are really care about these issues and are speaking out. I imagine, you know, working so closely with refugees and hearing their stories, a lot of these stories have to be like just heartbreaking Uh, on like the really hard days where you're just sort of overwhelmed by these stories. Where do you find hope? So I really find hope, you know, in, in the people that that we serve. So I actually just got back from a trip to Lebanon about a month ago. I was able to, to meet some of the um, students that we work with. It's primarily working um, in school settings. We run run schools. We do um, what we call learning support, homework support, tutoring. But there was one place in particular. It's, it's um, what's called an informal settlement. Officially, Lebanon doesn't have any refugee camps, but um, but they're basically, they look like refugee camps. And we, we pulled in one morning and it's raining, it's cold. It was actually the 
day of their first snowstorm of the season and there's just a sea of tents um, with tires on top you know holding the tarps down and and kids running around some of them barefoot and it's raining and muddy and there's a school you know in the middle of this of this scene um a jrs school um and we met with a group of of teachers and the principal and these are both syrian refugees and lebanese refugees and it was dark. It was dreary. It was cold. Um, the lights went out at one point during our, our meeting with them. And so we were in the total dark having this conversation with them. But no one no one blinked. It was it was <laughs> everything moved on seamlessly. Um, and the principal, actually, her name was Fatima. Um, she she said, you know, our goal is really to make sure that the children have hope for the future, you know, that they're able to build their self-confidence, that we can help them grow and learn um, and thrive. And and that's the kind of thing that 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 inspires me um, and and really helps in terms of continuing this work and, and making sure that we can tell as many people as possible about what we're doing and and how we're doing it, because it's people like Fatima and her um, staff and the kids that they're working with and the families that they're serving that are really benefiting. And sometimes it's, it's easy to lose sight of that. You know, again, if you get mired in the statistics and the numbers and the policies and the Trump administration, um, yeah. but bringing it back down to to that that humanity and that these are real people um, who literally don't know um, from day to day where they're getting their next meal, um, how they're going to send their kid to school, um, where they'll be living. Um, it's just it's pretty stark when you see it um, firsthand. So yeah. so I, I feel privileged to have been able to meet these people and, and go to these places. And and I think if we can deliver that message to as many people as possible, then then we're doing our job. Yes. All right. Well, we will tell as many people as we can about the Do One Thing campaign. So um, we'll include that in the show notes. And some of the things you suggest are write, advocate, pray, volunteer, and share stories. So we hope our listeners will do all those things. Um, Thank but you. Before we let you go, we have one final question that we ask all of our guests, which is if you could canonize one person, living or dead, Catholic or not, fictional or real, who would it be? Yes. Thank you. So we've been, I've been preparing for this question. <laughs> I know you don't want to be caught off guard with this question. <laughs> I've learned. A heads up. So, and, and really honestly, it, it was a bit of a no brainer. And I mentioned it at the very beginning, Father Arupe, you know, founded, founded JRS and, and he's, you know, a, um, a rock star, you know, in Jesuit world, um, in the Jesuit world. And, and he really practiced, you know, the spirituality of St. Ignatius throughout his whole life when he was imprisoned, you know, in solitary confinement during World War II, um, when he was helping um, those impacted by in, in Hiroshima, you know, through um, medical assistance that he was that he was providing, um, his commitment to the poor and his writing, um, you know, everything that he did was really pointing the Jesuits, in particular, as in his role as Superior General, towards service and, and justice. And so, um, I have to say, Father Rupa, I think we would all get behind that, um, and certainly <laughs> he's someone that inspires. Well, we certainly, yeah, we certainly yeah. would. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for taking the time to talk to us and for that great answer. And thanks for the work here. I think it's the yeah. most, like the most important work that mm -hmm. the Jesuits do. Well, thanks also. so much for having us. We really <laughs> appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I, I will take that for sure. <laughs> thanks for the time. Thanks so much. And, yeah, absolutely. Sure. We look forward to, to continuing the conversation. All right. Thanks, Julia. Okay, thank thanks. you. Bye-bye.
Okay, now it's time for some listener feedback. Um, but before we get to their feedback, I just want to say I really missed our listeners mm-hmm. over this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah, feels same. like it's been so long yeah. since it's- we've actually been, you know, in studio, mm-hmm. talking with them on mm-hmm. Twitter. And so we just want to say that we did not forget about you over break. So we, we hope did you didn't forget about us. And if you did, <laughs> if you did. That's okay. <laughs> But just come back in 2018. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of 2018, we asked our listeners if they had any New Year's resolutions. Um, and Pontiflex Maximus. Who, by the Ooh. way, has like my favorite Twitter handle and avatar combination. He's got like a St. Ignatius cat face thing going on. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Um, and wow. Pontiflex is genius. Yeah. Um, yep. But a few of those resolutions are one, pray the rosary daily, just five decades, not the whole thing, which... I have questions about. <laughs> I forget all the time that the actual whole rosary is bigger than that, and I feel like five decades is already a lot to ask. It's like a lot. Mm-hmm. I fall asleep play- praying the rosary all the time. But the angels finish them for you if you fall asleep. Um, <laughs> and two, become more disciplined with diet slash household labor, which follows into... Yeah, his 2A, uh, stop leaving dishes in the sink overnight. Three, make... F- <laughs> I can relate to that. I have to do that, too. And three, make forward progress with my career. Wow, I can also relate to that one. Wow. Uh, I can't relate to number four, but show my wife I love her every day. (laughs) Beyond three words. (laughs) I endorse that. (laughs) All right. And Anthony wrote in and said... He wants to rep- Oh wait, no. He, I wants, he wants, he to, wants reply to reply to Jesus Show, show, show all more. the time. <laughs> we'll take that. All right, I read this copy and paste Twitter thing as I thought Anthony, I thought you wanted to reply to our show more, but th- that was just what you were doing. You want to establish a better prayer life and eat healthier. Amen to that. Amen. I want to do half of those things. <laughs> I can guess which one. <laughs> All right, now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week or month or month and a half and where it was harder to. Uh, What do you have, Zach? So the break was long, and one of the things I did over break was go to my sister's college graduation. Aww! Yeah, so congratulations, Allie. Um, Congrats. But part of that was just seeing her and the struggles that she's went through and the efforts that she's made. I saw as a big brother in a different perspective than my own. Um, And I was the first person in my family to go to college. Allie is the second, and my mom is going to be the third this spring. And so I'm just so proud of them in a way that I think, you know, God is proud of us when we're living our lives to our fullest potential Um, in a much lesser way. I felt that towards my mom and my sister. Um, And so that was my consolation, being consoled by other people thriving. Um, That's really beautiful. Jeez. That's Allie and Mama Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. Olga, what do you got? So I've got a desolation um, starting off 2018 on a desolating note. Um, or ending 2017 on a desolating note. I like note. that one better. Yes. I like that one better. Thank you. Um, so I was very excited for this holiday season. It was uh, my first holiday season with Enoch, my boyfriend. So I had this idea that I'd wel- he'd be welcome into my family. I'd be welcome into his family. And then I'd bring them all together like the true extrovert that I am. Um, But only half of that happened. My family has been really, really welcoming toward him, whereas his family has not reciprocated. And that's been very, very difficult for me to deal with. Um, One, it was a surprise. I didn't think that I would be faced with rejection this early, like in this relationship at all. So kind of trying to navigate that, trying to navigate being in a really healthy relationship with 
like this sense of rejection that I'm feeling has been really, really difficult for me. And it's just the desolation has been that I've been really, really angry at God throughout the entire holiday season. Like I was not really feeling we were supposed to go to midnight mass. We didn't do that. I didn't really spend time with my family or in prayer because I was just so angry at the entire situation because I just not being welcomed is so hurtful. And I was just like, God, why would you have allowed this to happen to me? Um, So it's been very, very difficult for me to kind of process all of that. Um, And it's been very, very hard. Yeah. And I just want to say like some of the things that you've told me and like you've talked about, like they should welcome me because I'm doing all these different things. I'm not perfect, but X, Y, and Z. And I think that's all true. But also like if you were doing nothing, like none of Mm -hmm. the, nothing else, like you as just being Olga and amazing, like should be welcomed, right? We talk about that Mm -hmm. on the show all the time. Like migrants and refugees shouldn't be, shouldn't have to prove themselves to be welcome. They just are. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I, it, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really hope 2018 can bring some open doors for you in that relationship. Thank you. That's really hard. Yeah. Thank you, Ashley. So what, what do you got? Um, I have, I guess I would call it a consolation now. It, you know, 2017 was not my best year, despite like how great like starting this show was and <laughs> how much I love you guys. It was, it was a hard year. Um, and over the Christmas break, I think my sister, who knows me better than anyone, mm-hmm. um, could really see that I was struggling. Um, and as someone who likes to help more than to ask for help, uh, I, you know, she she had to be the one to <laughs> uh, knock on my door and be like, hey, Ashley, like, I think you need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's hard for you. If if I just, like, gave you the list a list of, you know, therapists in new york who take your insurance and are Mm -hmm. available in evenings or weekends like would you take that step and go and i was just like yes (laughs) because the thought of doing that was just like way too overwhelming Mm -hmm. um and so being the great big sister that she did uh she she did that and i actually had first meeting on monday um but for for me especially coming around christmas time when like we see god coming into the world as like a helpless baby um it i really identified with that in a different way this Mm -hmm. year by just like kind of like letting go and letting myself be helped by the people who love me Mm -hmm. um so that was that was really consoling Mm, that's really beautiful and i'm glad you've made this choice to kind of like care for yourself in a different way in 2018 yeah that's not easy it's not yeah yeah all right love you guys (laughs) love you too (laughs) our producer is totally crying right now Good on us. <laughs> Our Good. engineer is not as engineers are want to do. <laughs> Love you, Jesus. <laughs> so first roll credits of 2018. Yes, here we go. Judge Whittacle is brought to you by America Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. Engineering by Angelo Jesus Canta. Our logo is by Sean Tripoli, and you can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Shout out this week to Stephanie Carlton, L. Kell, 0101, Elise Hertz, and Boy Mom 4. <laughs> and send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at americamedia.org. For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis and Olga Segura. We will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>